Ladies and gentlemen, this is FM 91. W-E-G-L, Auburn. And welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student-run radio since 1971. My name is Jack Hart alongside my color man, Davis Carroll. We'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from across the Auburn Opelika Megaplex and around the world, however you may be listening to us today, whether that be through your terrestrial radio antenna, through the information superhighway at WEGLFM.com, or tuning in after the fact on Transistor.FM, Eagle Eye TV, or by listening to our podcast. We are happy to have you in the booth with us for Auburn's only student-run and drive-time morning show. And now, of course, we are broadcasting live from the Bradley Basin WEGL studios in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a uh, drizzly 59 degrees and overcast this uh, rainy Thursday morning. Welcome to Compact Discourse. We wish you a most sincere buenos dias, good morgen, bon matiné, or a good old-fashioned uh, good morning as we get on with the show. At this point, I would like to remind everybody that in the next two hours, you feel so inclined to ask a question, drop a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, if you'd like to correct us, you can go ahead and call in at 334-844-WEGL. That's 334-844-9345 on your touchtone keypad. You can also send us a tweet at CDISCAU. That is at C-D-I-S-C-A-U on Twitter. And we would love to hear from you. Anything you have to say about the show or otherwise would be great to hear from you on a Thursday morning like this. Also, if you're not listening to the show live, we can talk about whatever you have to say later on. So, We'd love to hear from you in that sense. All right, we'll get on with the show. Uh, Davis, how are you doing today? Staying, staying dry? I'm um, a little wet, a uh, little not drenched, but it, it wasn't a fun walk. It was like the, it was the drizzle that made it really cold. Yeah, it was, uh, as I was riding my bike, I was getting a lot of water in my eyes. But, uh, you know, you just got to deal with it. Yep. It is uh, sure do. mentality here on Compact Discourse. Show must go on and... Uh, we do not care. We just go on with it and uh, make it happen. So we are bringing you the show today live from the WEGL studios. we got an exciting show coming up. I know we talked to Sonic Nation yesterday, so if you missed that conversation, you can listen to it as a podcast. Sonic Nation is Auburn's ensemble commercial music band. They uh, put together some awesome covers and some original stuff from every kind of genre imaginable you can think of. I and mean, We're talking whiskey glasses all the way to Heart of Glass and uh, everything in between, so I've seen them live, I've talked to them in person, and they're a great group of guys and gals who are putting together. They are really passionate about what they do and are really committed to making a great product. And I think they do it every time they perform, including last night they had a performance at the Gooch Performing Arts Center. So I uh, hope everyone that was able to was able to go check that out and uh, enjoy Sonic Nation just as much as I do. So if you missed that conversation and you'd like to hear it, you can listen to yesterday's podcast episode. Um, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, any way you listen to the Compact Discourse podcast, just find Wednesday's episode, and the first 45 minutes of that or so is me sitting down and chatting with three of the members of Sonic Nation. So that was a lot of fun, and we look forward to collaborating them with them more in the future. They've done an Auburn 
stages in the past, and they will be doing Auburn stages in the future. So we are looking forward to that. Speaking of Auburn stages, Auburn stages will be continuing this week, um, weather permitting. There is a rain venue, so the only thing dependent on weather is whether or not it is inside or outside. So mm, good one. Just uh, looking at the schedule real quick, it is going to be what's it? Twenty eighth, James Berry Hill on the Cater Lawn tonight at. 5 p.m. So uh, check that out if you are interested in seeing some live music uh, coming up on the campus. This is probably the coolest free event you can go to on Auburn University's campus, and it's put on by WEGL and uh, Tiger Dining and uh, Student Involvement. So uh, one of the best events on campus. That is, of course, Auburn Stages presented by WEGL 91.1 and the College of Architecture and Design, who actually designed our stages for the uh, Auburn stages, the iconic square stages. Um, so check that out if you are looking for live music. I know we had a lot of fun so far with all the acts, um, but this will be the latest edition. James Berryhill coming up on the Cater Lawn tonight at 5 p.m. So uh, Dylan can answer any questions you have about that. So just contact us on the WEGL Instagram, if you would uh, like to get information about that. Um, we also had a lot of fun on Weagle yesterday, including uh, One More Hour from Aaron, Happy Days with Jay from Jalen Russell, uh, Woodstock Hour from DJP, and Cheetah Print from DJ CD. That's Chris Tobias. I had uh, listened to all of those, and they were all uh, really good. So four hours of great content coming at you every Wednesday afternoon and into the evening here on WEGL. So we had a great time doing that, and uh, we're looking to do it again every single week. So um, there's also plenty of great stuff coming on today, including the classic two hours of rock music comes on every day after Compact Discourse. So if you enjoyed the playlist before the show, keep it right here to enjoy the playlist after the show. You also got Birds Aren't Real coming up. On at noon, that is a music conspiracy theory show, if you can believe that. It's a lot of fun to listen to. A lot of work gets put into that one, so check it out. If you haven't already, that's from 12 to 1. We've also got the beat drop from 1 to 2, another great music show here on Weagle. Um, then we got some sports from 2 to 4. You can listen to the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob, um, two experts on everything going on in the sports world. They will break it down for you for an hour from 2 to 3 p.m. And then the Eagle's Nest with Daniel Locke is from 3 to 4. He takes care of, uh, he, he mops up after the scoreboard and takes care of everything that they haven't. So from 2 to 4, you can listen to some great sports from folks you've seen featured on Compact Discourse in the past. And we are inviting Bay Marks into the studio in a few minutes to uh, do everyone's favorite segment, which is, of course, Uniform Factor. So that will be uh, something you can look forward to from today's show and something you can look forward to to this afternoon as we uh, get on with the uh, the schedule. At 5 p.m. tonight, we got Life at 33 RPM, which is a great uh, kind of vintage hip-hop show, great vinyl. So looking forward to that one. And then we've also got Moonlight Madness, which is a nighttime sports talk show, which is going to be from 7 to 8 p.m. with Jacob Goins. So check that one out if you haven't already. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we have a great lineup of shows coming up on a Thursday afternoon for you here, starting right at noon with Birds Aren't Real. So looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to everything else happening at Weagle.
Boom. How was your show on on Monday and yesterday, Davis? I think my show went pretty good on Monday. I really, I think, yeah, that thing went good. I kind of winged it more. I had more R&B that day. Uh, yesterday, it was fun to come on Cheetah Print. It was a blast, actually. Had a mm. good time. Good, grand old time. Learned about the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's right. You never know what you'll learn on Cheetah Print. Um, we're also uh, looking forward to this weekend, looking ahead. We've got plenty of exciting stuff coming up in Auburn Athletics, some Auburn Jungle announcements we would like to make uh, for Auburn students. We have um, This one is open to everyone, and that is the Auburn Basketball Scrimmage will be on Friday evening whenever the Auburn Volleyball match against LSU wraps up. That one begins at 6 p.m., so just arrive early. I think they're actually giving away a ton of cool stuff at the volleyball, mm-hmm. including like TVs and air fryers and massage guns. So basically just show up really early to the volleyball match on um, Friday afternoon, which begins at 6, and then stay all the way through the evening as the Orange versus Blue men's basketball scrimmage will be taking place in Auburn Arena immediately following the volleyball. So that is open to everybody and uh, admission is completely free. So hopefully we can pack out Auburn Arena, pack out the jungle before the season even starts, and support both of our athletics teams on Friday night. And then on Saturday, we have a top 20 SEC West showdown as uh, our number 18 Auburn Tigers will be hosting the number 10 Ole Miss Rebels at 6 p.m. on uh, 10-30-21. That is uh, 6 p.m., so... It will be cold, and that is the uh, the biggest uh, the biggest thing I can stress is that we don't want a repeat of the 2019 Ole Miss game, wherein most of the student section got cold and left in a critical fourth quarter. So we will, uh, you know, wear orange and dress warm, and just plan for it this time. So we did we we we, we made the mistake before, so we're not going to repeat it. Um, Plan on arriving early. Uh, gates open at 4 p.m. For, for everybody, including students. I need everybody to be loud and, of course, wear orange. So, uh, I mean, it's a simple assignment. Just uh, get an orange sweatshirt, layer up. You can always take it off if you get hot. And uh, make sure you are prepared to, to make some noise and make it difficult on that Ole Miss Rebel offense. Is there any chance of rain? Mmm, that is a good call. I will look into that, but so far as I could tell, it was just it was just the chill. I can handle the chill, but the the little drizzle like we have now would get miserable after a little bit. Mm. I'm seeing clouds, no rain. Okay. Well, could be colder, but at least it's not raining. Bundle up. Twenty four percent chance, which I think you can round down to zero. Boom. Perfect. Uh, right now we're looking at a 50-degree night on Saturday. It's so going to be chillier since it's in the stadium. It will be in the stadium. The wind will also be blowing, so get ready for that. Just plan accordingly, you know? It, it's not, it won't be that bad, and you're, you're bunched up with a ton of people. So if everyone's dressed warm, then everyone will be warm. It's a, it's a team effort. Do your part as an Auburn student. Be loud. Be, uh, be excited. And uh, get ready to have some fun. And I know it will be a lot of fun, especially if we win. And that is uh, almost, I mean, Lane Kiffin himself said it, is that Jordan-Hare Stadium at night is one of the toughest environments in college football. So let's make sure it lives up to the reputation and uh, do our duty as Auburn University students in the student section and uh, 
make it happen. So if you want any more information on that, you can visit the Auburn Jungle Instagram page. That is AU Jungle um, for any for any athletics news if, for for students of Auburn University. That is the place to go for. We are your resource to help you out with any. So you're not confused about anything. You know exactly what to do on game day. So that is what the Auburn Jungle is for. And uh, let us know how we can do our job better by contacting us at AU Jungle on Instagram. All right, we're going to head to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the World Series as the uh, series is now tied one-to-one on this travel day as the series heads back to Atlanta for a three-game set over the weekend, tied one-to-one with the Astros stealing a game back last night so we'll be right back to discuss that and more sports on the other side of this two-minute break i'm jack Hart, joined alongside davis don't go anywhere you're listening to compact discourse on wegl 91.1 fm Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll, as well as Alex Houston and Bay Marks, welcoming them into the show on a drizzly Thursday morning. Bay Marks, staying dry, in a good mood? No. <laughs> the rain puts me in a horrible mood. We were talking about that during the break, but then I was listening and I heard that song. Uh, what's the title of it? Fire and Rain by yeah. James Taylor. Reminded me of Remember the Which titles. always seems to come on right before Compact Discourse. Well, so fitting today. Yeah. Being here puts me in a better mood. Um, and Compact Discourse the other day with the Haunted Mansion discussion, that put me in a really good mood because I love that movie. Mm, you like Haunted Mansion? I, yeah, I just didn't know what the other movie was that y'all were talking oh, about. I had to go do some research. That's good. That that needs that one needs. I think Disney does a good job burying that one, so no one finds out about Phantom of the Megaplex. Uh, Alex, you in a good mood? I'm doing pretty good today. I was listening to a lot of Weagle uh, yesterday afternoon, much like you were, Jack. Listening to a lot of the shows you mentioned, uh, which ended my day pretty good. Now waking up on Compact Discourse, excited to talk about some uniforms a bit later. So I'm oh, doing yeah. good. We got some good ones coming up and some stinkers, but yes, which ones do. are which will be up to us to decide. Uh, and Davis, you still doing okay? Making it? I'd say so. Good deal. All right, we're going to talk about the World Series as that one uh, continues to rumble on. As today is a travel day, there will be no game today as we've completed the two-game set in Houston. And it is a best of five from here on out as the Atlanta Braves and Houston Astros both got one game apiece over in Minute Maid. So we will uh, look, turn our eyes over to Truist Park and Atlanta as the uh, the series is knotted up one to one, and we'll resume on Friday evening, and uh, the two other games in Atlanta will be on Saturday and Sunday, um, and all those games will happen because the series is tied one one. So it's a best of five from here on out. I think uh, if if memory serves, it'll be one day off, and then the next game in Houston would be on a Tuesday. So uh, a week from today. No matter what happens, we will have a new World Series champion. So it's just a matter of who wins uh, three of these next five games to take the Commissioner's Trophy. And last night, the Houston Astros made their case that they're not going to go down without a fight as they uh, capitalized on some Atlanta mistakes and came out swinging early to take a 
uh, to tie the series up and take a 5-1 to one lead in the bottom of the second inning. Um, Yurkidi gets the win in this one. He pitched five innings with two earned runs, seven strikeouts, and no walks. Max Freed, disappointing performance as he pitches five innings, gives up six earned runs, gets six strikeouts, and walks one man to boot. So the Houston Astros come away victorious in this one, 7-2 to two over the Atlanta Braves. Um, and that, I mean... Wasn't a wasn't a great performance by the Braves. I was not impressed by by Max Fried. Um, was not was not the role player he needed to be in the clutch, especially after losing Charlie Morton uh, the previous night. Uh, the Braves starting pitching could be what is the deciding factor in this series, and uh, was not off to a good start with Max Fried last night. Yeah, and that's really kind of it's kind of weird to think that that could be the key to the series, considering the Braves bullpens really has what been has what's been showing out lately. Um, in the postseason, and I think that's kind of what the sports world has all kind of figured out was the lefty relievers for Atlanta um, have really been their key to, key to success these last few games. Um, but I completely agree with you, Jack. I think going forward it will be that starting rotation, especially now that Charlie Morton's out um, with that broken fibula. Um, I hate that for him. He pitched such a great game while, before he got hurt, even when he was hurt. Um, but nonetheless, it will be interesting to see what happens with the Braves back at home because I talked about this with Hillman um, was the fact that I think the Braves at home this postseason have been one of the better teams in baseball, um, especially with that fan base, how raucous they are, having not had a World Series in 22 years. Um, seeing the way that they reacted to capitalizing off that NLCS, I think it's going to be tougher for Houston to win in Atlanta than vice versa. Definitely, I'd agree with that. And I think, you know, the Braves accomplished what they needed to in Houston in these last two games. They needed to snatch home field advantage away from the Astros, and they've done that. They're going to have three chances in Atlanta, which is what they want the series to be. Certainly, you'd like to go to Atlanta up 2-0, but that rarely happens in general. The expectations, honestly, I think in, mo- in most cases, you could have expected the Braves to fall down 0-2 because you're on the road in a tough environment. But the Braves did what they needed to do. Uh, in game one by snatching home field advantage away from the Astros. And now it's a matter of can they get it done on their home field. And I think the er, – sorry, real quick, I just want to say my biggest difference between game one and game two was the offense for Houston. Obviously game one, Houston didn't really, really have as good of an offense um, as they had been used to besides Brantley. Brantley had a good game game one. But I think we saw a little bit more of consistency out of their offense in game two. Um, and that's going to be their bread and butter going forward against this Braves pitching staff. Yeah, it seemed like the offense was off their rhythm and not the Houston Astros we know in that game one as a result of of Minter and Morton's combined, almost a combined starting role after Morton had to come out of the game. So it was uh, the Astros' bats with a story last night, including that big second inning. You had Siri reach on an infield single, Ted scored Tucker and moved Gurriel over to second. And then Maldonado singled to shallow left. Gurriel scored on that one. Siri scored on that one because of uh, Rosario's throwing error. Er- error. He uh, he threw over to third base with nobody home. Austin Riley was in the neighborhood, but Rosario tried to do, I think got desperate and tried to do a little more than was necessary on that play. Uh, Maldonado got a double on that one. And then Brantley brings Maldonado home to make it 5-1 to one in that second inning, and the Braves were just not able to recover from that. Uh, they scored one more, but that was uh, went out with a whimper and not a bang. So an unfortunate situation for the Atlanta Braves. It seems that their, their postseason hero, who made a great defensive play in the previous game, 
catching a wall, uh, a ball right off the wall in center field and throwing Gurriel out at second to basically end the game uh, in, the, in, the, in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, makes a defensive miscue that uh, would it's hard to say whether or not it would have mattered uh, considering it would have changed how the rest of the game would have played out, but it definitely would have, uh, I think it would have, let's see, that would have made it three to one rather than five to one. And I think a three to one deficit is a lot more manageable than a five to one deficit. If everything had continued as, as scheduled, then we would have entered the fifth inning or exited the fifth inning with a three to two game, which I think is a much more manageable situation than a five to two game for the Braves. So Rosario has been great so far. It's impossible not to talk about the Braves without talking about Rosario, but an error last night spells doom for the Braves uh, and unable their bats unable to come up with anything in response to the Astros pitching. I think seven strikeouts was a career high for Yerkwee last night, um, and what a perfect time that came at, obviously, in the World Series against um, the hot Atlanta Braves, but um, that's just interesting to watch him going forward in the rest of the series. The Braves were also swinging a lot last night. Uh, I know I saw a couple times from Duvall, maybe once or twice from Dansby Swanson. I think they were trying, maybe a little antsy, anxious to get back in, in score quickly so they could get back into contention, and it led to a lot of strikeouts and uh, just situations where they were swinging where they did not need to be. And I think that it, it, it makes me a little nervous that this Atlanta team doesn't really know how to play from behind, considering they have not done, had to do that a ton in this um, entire postseason. It seems that games where they've jumped out and scored early, they've been able to hang on to the lead, but they have not been able to rally very well. Um, they've had a couple games against Milwaukee where it's been tied, and they've been able to... Uh, get a get a game winner towards the end of the game, but they have not fallen down and come back in a game so far this postseason that I can remember, and uh, they haven't been doing it a lot for sure. So that, that makes me a little nervous. I think it's going to be crucial that the Braves either don't fall behind or learn to play from behind in a hurry. Otherwise, it may be a short series for the Bravos. And I think it's going to be the first – First thing you mentioned, Jack, was just learning how to how to stay ahead in the series. And I think going back to Atlanta, especially after a rest day, um, getting to kind of let game one and game two really kind of soak in um, and traveling back to Atlanta, resting, I think playing in front of that home crowd, because they'll play three straight in Atlanta, correct? That's it's right. a 2-3-2? Two, two. Yeah. Yeah, so now that they have that home field advantage, they do have three straight in the A, I think you have got to take advantage of that. And I think a, uh, a key example of that was Boston and the ALCS. Uh, Boston stole game one on the road in Houston, lost game two in Houston, and had home field advantage going back to Fenway, one of the hard, hardest places to play in baseball. Um, and it was a tough environment, but they weren't able to capitalize and beat Houston enough in Boston and went back to Houston, and obviously they won. So big thing for Atlanta is going to be getting this key rest day in, letting game one and game two soak in, and then letting that home field advantage really kick in. And, I mean, now that you've stolen one on the road, it's hard to steal another one on the road, especially if it's a game six or game seven. So you really want to take care of business as much as possible now. And I think, yeah, one final thing is that, I mean, like I said, you can't talk about the Braves without talking about Rosario, and I think his success is a kind of a microcosm of the entire team's success. Rosario 0 for 4 last night, and if that continues, I don't think the Braves have much of a shot in this World Series. 
the offense is going to run through Rosario, especially if he's hitting leadoff like he was last night. We'll see how Houston adapts to uh, having their batter, their pitchers hit, and uh, we'll see what Atlanta throws out as the DH if the series ever goes back to Houston. So we'll we'll continue talking about some postseason baseball later on in the show. But for right now, we've got to get to uniform factors. We're going to head to a quick break. And when we come back, we will be discussing all kinds of uniforms. So at this time, it would be a great time to jump over to our YouTube live stream. That's WETL 91.1 on YouTube. Look for that orange and blue Eagle logo and just click on the live stream that is live because we are coming at you right now live from the Harold Melton Student Center. You'll be able to see the uniforms we are talking about on screen in living color and uh, we'll point to what we're talking about. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in about two minutes to talk uniforms. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com, or YouTube live stream. Welcome into the show. We are happy to have you with us on a uh, rainy Thursday morning. And speaking of the rain, it's time to jump right into your Auburn, Alabama weather report. Right now it's 59 degrees and overcast and cloudy and rainy. And there's a wind advisory in Lee County. And yes, that all sounds very bad. Uh, But... The rain is very quickly blowing away, and uh, by later on this morning, it should clear up completely. So uh, morning temperature is 62 degrees and partly cloudy. That's right, partly cloudy. The sun will be making an appearance before noon today as this storm blows away, And uh, but the clouds will be around all day as it will be a cloudy evening, 57 degrees with a 15% chance of some lingering showers. Your overnight temp will be 53 degrees, so please plan accordingly. And once again, if you will be making the trip to Jordan Hare Stadium on Saturday evening, please dress warm and please uh, wear orange and get ready to support the Tigers, as the uh, message from the desk of Alan Green in your Auburn email may have reminded you. And that was uh, your your Auburn weather report. So thanks for listening to that. It is the bottom of the hour, as always, so Auburn weather it is. And with that, we will jump right back in to uh, everybody's favorite segment, Uniform Factor. Find my big orange button, there it is. Now, form factor is a term I learned in my occupational safety and ergonomics class. Does powder blue ever look bad, ever? Absolutely not. I can't name one team. That's the worst helmet I've ever seen. I mean, part of the fun of throwbacks is that we're all in on the joke that they look terrible. Bird is awful, but the jerseys themselves are sick. Dude, this is clean, man. Hey, when they rocking these. Any thoughts on this Browns-Broncos matchup, Carter? The game itself? The uniforms. (laughs) That's right, the uniforms. And that's what we're talking about this Thursday morning, as we always do when Bay Marks joins us in the Bradley Basin studio, and uh, we'll just get right into it. Once again, I want to remind you that you can see what we were talking about uh, live on your screen on the WEGL YouTube page, so check that out if you haven't already. Just look for that orange and blue eagle logo, and look for the stream that is live, and uh, you can see what we're looking at. Um, If you're in your car driving around, remember to buckle up and uh, pay attention to the road, just check it out later. You can watch this whenever you want later on. Just check it out on the YouTube page, the video on demand of this show and every other show, as well as some other great content like Auburn Hockey are available on our YouTube page whenever you want to check them out. So 
just uh, do that if you can't pay attention right now. But if you can, welcome in. Hello to those of us joining us on the video live stream this morning. And we're going to jump right into Uniform Factor. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is something that has been worn so far, not just announced, and that is the Oregon eggshell uniform. That is what they're being called. Yes. Yeah, so Nike, up to their old tricks, uh, giving Oregon a new uniform. And it wasn't just the... Uh, the bog standard will change some colors and call it a day, but uh, it's a pattern this time. And what they have done, as we know, ducks lay eggs. Sometimes the Oregon offense lays eggs, and the uh, the egg theme will continue into the late autumn as the Oregon Ducks, for their game day game against the UCLA Bruins, needed a road uniform, and Nike delivered with a all-white, save for the helmet, uniform, with a uh, what can only be described as a splotchy kind of robin's egg pattern. I don't exactly know what a duck egg looks like. I would assume it has this splotchy pattern, but you know, like robin's egg is like a like a paint term, I think. Uh, so it, it yeah, it has splotches on it. It honestly looks like someone at Nike dropped some dye on a jersey, and they they said, "Well, we can roll with this," and they they outfitted the whole duck team in it. So. It is primarily white with green accoutrements, and uh, that's about it, which I can respect. Um, you may know my know you may know my opinions on the Oregon uniform situation, which is I'm not a big fan of it, but I can respect that they just went with two colors on this one, kept it monochrome, and kept the uh, the details to a minimum. Uh, one thing I will say is that although I am not a fan of the way they do their helmets right now, with the wing pattern on the side of the helmets and the Oregon O. On the back, I am a fan of how the Oregon O has the eggshell pattern itself on the back of the helmet, and uh, it, it's a nice it's a nice inversion of the jersey itself. I'm not sure if every jersey is unique in its pattern. I think that'd be a cool touch, but uh, it uh, I'd love to open the floor to your guys' thoughts on the Oregon Ducks eggshell uniforms. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna start it off. These are horrible. <laughs> they are absolutely horrible. Wow. I I. Could not hate these more. <laughs> um, reason being, A, I, initially looking at these uniforms, and I'm on Uniswag, so I don't know if it's just these pictures or if I need to go back to the game film and watch, but I mean, in the pictures alone, you can't tell that the uniform is, or not the uniform, the helmet is green. I mean, at, at initial look, the helmet looks gray, like a dark gray with a still a dark green wing pattern on the, on the side of the, of the head. Um, it isn't until you get up close with a flash, uh, on the helmet that you can really see that, oh, it's, it's probably about as dark of a green as you can get before it turns into a gray. Um, so first of all, I hate that. Second of all, I hate the fact that if they were going for the two color, two color combo, like Jack was mentioning with just the, the white and then maybe the specks of gray, but then just that, that Oregon or that dark Oregon green, um, they really kind of missed the mark on that as well with the gray shoulder caps um, and the gray design and then the gray Nike symbol and the gray Oregon logo, the gray nameplate. Um, and like Jack said, I mean, I, the design overall, like I understand, and I understand it's for a for a duck egg, but I mean, like like Jack said earlier, it's almost like somebody dipped a, a toothbrush into some paint and then flicked their finger on the toothbrush to just let the paint fly. Um, overall, these are horrible. I hate them, uh, and I'm going to leave it at that. Awesome. 
Two things. One, I'm very fascinated how the host and essential creator of Uniform Factor dislikes Oregon's uniforms overall. I look forward to a discussion about that in the near future. Not right now, of course, because that could go for hours. But truly, I don't dislike these. I don't love them. They're I don't hate them. They're horrible. Now, there are some issues. One, the closer you get, it looks like it looks like when you open up a fresh um, bucket of Bluebell cookies and cream ice cream, that's what it looks like, is the, <laughs> what, the, what the top layer appears. are just, you know, specks yeah. of Oreo in the yeah. middle of some ice cream. That, 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 it could have been done better. I don't dislike it. I like the concept. I like the idea behind it. I think it could have been executed a lot better. I think, also, I looked up photos from in-game. The helmets do look gray, so I don't know if they're supposed to be gray. I think they're supposed to be green, and in that picture of them from from behind, where uh, Jack was mentioning the organ O on the back has that same pattern. You can see that with the flash, they're supposed to be yeah. green. Well, um, in-game photos did not look like. Yeah, that. that's what I'm saying. They, I, I, that did not. I don't not understand what direction it's yeah. going in. That was not executed well. I mean, I like the concept of it. I I think it certainly could have looked a lot better. I mean, I think it's it was trying to you know take what Florida did with the, you know, Gator uniforms and saying, okay, we could actually have a pattern that won't look so terrible. So in that regard, I think it's a lot better than the Gator ones. I like them all right. It very much fits with Oregon's MO, and it definitely fits with, like, all the uniforms in the past. I don't really like including the wing patterns on the shoulder pads despite the eggshell thing because it sort of contradicts each other, I would say, in terms of are that like because the the wings are supposed to you know symbolize that they're ducks, but then the wings are on the eggshells themselves, which that doesn't make much sense to me. But that's just from a, maybe being a nitpicky perspective. I don't dislike them. I don't really love them. I think they're all right. I thought they were kind of cool initially, but I mean they're all right. I think these promotional shots with the white background where they're wearing the the glove and the sleeve and the socks and everything that looks pretty cool. But um, looking at these two in-game photos, I found it uh, did not appear that the players thought that was as cool and just opted to just wear the bare minimum. So, eh, kind of stumbled at the finish line there. So I would say so. I don't, I don't know if I, if I love these. I'm kind of sick of looking at them, too. So, we'll, we'll move on to a concept from the NFL that has been transmuted and translated into the college football realm, and that is the concept of a color rush which uh, is not officially what Ohio State is doing with these, but can only be interpreted as that, considering it even has the non-matching helmet to boot. So very fitting, uh, very very NFL-like of Ohio State to take on this challenge. They'll be wearing these against Penn State this weekend uh, when the Buckeyes welcome in the Nittany Lions to the shoe in Columbus. And uh, for that, they will be wearing their regular crimson jerseys. I, so far as I can tell, that is their normal home jersey. There may be a slight detail that is different, but uh, they will be adding the pants will be scarlet as well. Not crimson, excuse me, scarlet. And uh, the same stripe as in the silver pants that is on the helmet. So Bay Marks, I know you like consistency with your stripes. You got it. And uh, this picture on the far left, I have number two in this promotional photo. He's wearing super high red socks, red cleats, red gloves, completing the whole look except for that uh, Buckeye silver helmet, which is kind of kind of sacred, and you want to want them to touch that. Um, as far as these go, um, I don't love them as a concept as a whole. I'd like to see these uh, maybe with a red helmet or maybe with the white road shirt. Um, I think the red, the red pants will just be a good thing to have in the locker room that they can bust out from time to time. But uh, as far as just in comparison to every other special uniform, quote-unquote, that Ohio State has worn in the past, I think this is a real winner, uh, considering, I don't know, 
if you remember that overtime Michigan Ohio State game, I think that game is forever tarnished by Ohio State's black helmets and beige pants that they decided to wear for their rivalry game. So um, I think this is a win overall for for fans of Ohio State and for looking back on these in the future. I like them uh, personally. Like you said, they stuck they stuck with that home uniform with the traditional stripes. Um, the same stripes that match the helmet and the same stripes that are on the pants now. This is something I wish Auburn would do with the Northwestern stripes that are on the helmet and the shoulder caps. I wish they would put them uh, on the pants like that, put that white gap in between the orange and uh, blue stripes. Um, overall, I really like these for a game against Penn State, a team that has colors completely opposite of yours with uh, white and blue. Um, I think this was a good game to bust these out, and I think it's going to be a very good-looking, clean uh, uniform uh, Saturday against the Nittany Lions, and I think that the pants with that matching stripe, I think that's what really kind of ties it in overall with me and the red cleats. I really like them. I'm very meh about them, to be honest. I don't know. I I, I prefer teams that are going to – if you're going to introduce a new uniform, take a shot and make it different. These are just, what if we had red pants, which doesn't feel so revolutionary to me. It's like I would feel the same about these if Auburn was like, what if we had blue pants? Whoa. Very innovative. Like it isn't to me. Like I think I think they look good. I think they look clean. But like outside of that, I don't really love them. I just think they're considering the amount of variation Ohio State has had in the past. This lack of variation seems a bit different. But I guess that's the goal. Considering as you mentioned, Jack, they've gone so much variation. Those ones against Michigan were terrible. I, I would agree with that, especially because I think it is good that they keep the helmet as it is because it is iconic. But I mean, I don't know. I just think they're perfectly decent like not not too much different about them but in terms of the simplicity of it I will say I like that and I like how clean it does look overall and I did look for comparison those are the traditional red ones that they wear at games at home games those are not there's no modification I just think way, it's it's for their shirts it's good for like a simple color rush. yeah uh, I think a lot of teams when they think of alternate or color rush they try to do too much I think for just a simple in-conference game I think these are fine I would agree. Yeah, I think uh, they are blowing fair. it a little bit out. I think it might be a marketing issue more than anything. I mean, yeah, they're red pants. Yeah, that's not that's all they're changing. So it, it's a little disingenuous to call it a brand new uniform. And I may have, I may have characterized it wrong. I don't know exactly the direction they're taking it, but I think uh, I think we can tell by these promotional shots that they're leaning into the whole new identity type of type of look rather than just highlight, highlighting the pants. Yeah, yeah, and it's very much color rush because they put the background red. They're trying to make, hey, guys, everything is red, like except the helmets, of course, but I think that 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 as well. All right. So we're going to head to a quick break here on uh, Compact Discourse, and when we come back, there are still plenty of uniforms to talk about. I think I got three more slides left on my uh, presentation, so... We may even stretch it past the 9 o'clock hour, so stay tuned. You never know what will pop up next on Uniform Factor. Keep it right here. I'm hanging out with Alex Davis and Bay Marks in the Bradley Basin Studios. We'll be back in about two minutes with some more compact discourse. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Bay Marks, Davis, Carroll, and Alex Houston, hanging out with you on a rainy Thursday morning. This is the week finale of 
Compact Discourse. So I hope you've had a good week hanging out with us on the show. It's also the end of our Halloween spectacular, spooktacular, as we get ready for Halloween this upcoming Sunday. Plenty of festivities throughout the entire weekend, including a very scary matchup between the Ole Miss Rebels coming to town, as they always do on Halloween weekend. One of my favorite traditions uh, to look forward to on the Auburn schedule. And it is the All Auburn, All Orange game, so be sure to wear orange. Uh, participate in some uniform factor of yourself of <laughs> upon yourself and uh, wear orange to support the Auburn Tigers uh, on Saturday evening and dress warm as well because it will be uh, cold for Alabama standards. Not not for Boise State standards, as, as Brian Harson enlightened us, but uh, it will be cold for Alabama standards and especially for college student standards because we'll complain about anything. So get ready for that one. Uh, arrive early, be loud, and get ready to send Lane Kiffin and the Running Rebels packing back to Oxford with a loss. So get excited for that one, and we will see you in Jordan Hare Stadium on Saturday night. All right, we're jumping right back into Uniform Factor. I'm not entirely sure what's next on my slideshow, but that's the fun part. So I'll hit next slide, and we're talking about yes. the Virginia Tech Michael Vick era uniforms, 1999 uh, shades of, and what the... Virginia Tech Hokies will be wearing against Virginia Tech this upcoming weekend in Lane Stadium. They are, you know, as classic as it gets. Pretty much your bog standard Nike template high school uniforms, but with the unique color scheme that Virginia Tech brings to the table and the i just the iconicness, I, iconography, the icon, the you know, they're they're iconic. The and history behind them. The history behind them. Yes. Uh, they, they are maroon, 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 from maroon face masks to maroon everything. And uh, that's uh, with the white pants and the white numbers, it's, it, just, it just pops, and it just works. And that's what they'll be wearing against Georgia Tech on Saturday. I've included an iconic picture of Michael Vick hurdling a Clemson player because I mean, it, they look just like they did back in the day. So Yep, definitely. It will, it will be a true throwback, and that, that, that's, that's a cool sight to see every time you can. Do they normally have grit written across uh, the forehead on the helmet? I'm not certain. I, well, regardless, uh, I I absolutely love them. Um, like Jack said, I think the interesting thing with the Hokies unis is always the fact that they have such a dynamic color scheme compared to what a lot of schools use, which is that maroon, that uh, brighter orange, and then just your white. Um, I think there's different things you can do with that, and it's hard to use those in different concepts. But with these throwback Michael Vick uniforms, they did a really good job. I think the most interesting thing to point out about these, um, if you look on the slides, is the fact that the regular numbers are bolded white with orange outlines. And then that same color pattern is just inverted on the shoulder caps with having the numbers on the actual um, lateral head of the shoulder instead of on top of the shoulder. Um, I think that's actually a different uniform concept that we'd never really see. I don't know if they – I'm sure that's – the whole part of this is they used to do that back in the uh, 90s for Virginia Tech. Um, but I just think it's interesting because it kind of makes that orange pop as well. Um, but those white pants, too, being so simplistic with those uh, throwback unis, I think they did a good job overall with this concept. Also, the grit, as far as I can see, is as recent as this year. They wore them in their special orangers they wore against North Carolina at the start of the gotcha. season. Might be a Justin Fuente type thing because he recently yeah. became the coach. Only a few years ago, so I think that might be his type of thing. Gotcha. But I love them. I mean, Virginia Tech has a very unique color scheme, as you said, and with that comes a lot of very difficult uniforms uh, in the past that have not looked so good, but these 
look great, I will say. And I love the throwback. I think these Virginia Tech's current uniforms look very clean, but these also do just as much. I mean, simplicity wins out in this case. I think the fact that there's not too much going on, but even the little things such as the variation in numbers and, yeah, just overall 10 out of 10. I really like them. I think they say Tech also across the front right hip. Just a small note, because you don't see those in the Uniswag pictures, but I think they do say they that. They do, and I think that I'm seeing a CH from a lot of these uniforms, but they're all from front on, so I guess that's that's the end of tech. I was trying to figure out what CH stood for. <laughs> all right, that would make sense. Okay, we cannot talk about a Virginia Tech, uh, Georgia Tech game on Uniform Factor without talking about one of the greatest uniform stories of all time, which was when, back in the day, back when uh, Cam Chancellor... Tyrod Taylor, Mike Glennon, that Virginia Tech team played in Atlanta. What what year was that? 2007. In 2007, Virginia Tech came to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech, and they had their jerseys stolen out of the locker room. And, and they could not get an emergency shipment from Blacksburg in time for the game. So they took – Georgia Tech was wearing gold that day, so they took some white Georgia Tech jerseys of the corresponding numbers – and they literally crossed out Yellow Jackets, crossed out the Russell Athletic logo, sharpied on a Nike logo, and wrote their names in Sharpie on the back of the jerseys and played an entire game like that. That was Sean Glenn and not Mike Glenn, excuse me. But I was going to assume it was Mike Glenn as well. It was Tyrod Taylor uh, was on that team, as well as Cam Chancellor um, and just some other some – other, uh, Notable players. This just adds to the craziness of 2007. It, I mean, craziest most, season in history. The most legendary season ever, and the, just the funniest thing is seeing the Russell Athletic logo crossed out and seeing someone's best attempt at a Nike swoosh on on Glennon's jersey. Not to there. mention, if you if you zoom in on the Yellow Jackets in the photo, it's not really very well crossed out. For those uh, curious, you can you can definitely see it through the um through the sharpie that they attempt to go over with yeah but good for them and it also wasn't much thought put into the to the to the calligraphy on the names either it seems like they might have had the players themselves right out <laughs> very much seems like it especially due to, due to tyrod taylor's last name slanting at about a 30 degree angle as if he wrote it to the side of the jersey but yeah that's that's hilarious yeah and that is one of the most legendary uniform moments of all time and we will continue our discussion of uniform moments and maybe we even get to another legendary uniform moment on the other side of our extra long five minute break so we'll be back in five minutes on the other side of the top of the hour it's just about 9 a.m so get ready to hang out with us for the second half of the show and if you gotta leave thank you for joining us so far thank you for spending your week and your thursday morning with compact discourse hope you have a great weekend we will see you in jern hare stadium this saturday evening so don't go anywhere For those of you who are sticking around, we'll be back in about five minutes with some more of the show. Uniform Factor will conclude on the other side of this break, and we will continue talking about college football, pro football, and everything in between. We'll be right back. Back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Bay Marks, 
and Alex Houston. Welcome to you in. It is the top of the hour, 9 a.m. Thank you for joining us for the second half of the show. Plenty of great stuff coming up on Weagle today, including the Birds Aren't Real show. It's coming on at noon. Two hours of rock music will be following Compact Discourse today, as always. If you enjoyed the playlist before the show, stick around for some more of the playlist after the show. We've also got the beat drop coming up at 1 p.m. And then two hours of sports starting at 2 p.m. with the scoreboard and the Eagles Nest back-to-back here on uh, WBGL. Then Life at 33 RPM will be coming on at 5 p.m. with Walker Green Show and Moonlight Madness rounding us out for the evening. So keep it right here on WEGL. We've got content all the way from 12 noon to 8 p.m. this evening. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. So stick around and find out. Find something new to listen to because plenty of diverse shows today. All right, we also want to remind you that Auburn will be taking on LSU in volleyball this Friday evening uh, at 6 p.m., but show up early. I think they're giving away some really cool prizes, including a uh, massage gun, an air fryer. Uh, Take your pick. Head on over to Auburn Volleyball's Twitter account to figure out how you can win one of those. Um, So stick around to watch Auburn Volleyball versus LSU. It's a big SEC matchup at 6 p.m. If you can't make it out to the arena, you can listen to that right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, the exclusive radio home for Auburn volleyball and soccer. Um, actually, soccer is potentially going to be hosting a SEC or I'm sorry, NCAA tournament round one game. So look for that. WEGL will be able to broadcast that if that comes to fruition. So stay tuned to WEGL Sports on Twitter for announcements about that. And uh, after the volleyball game, you will be able to stick around to watch the scrimmage between the orange team and the blue team of the men's basketball team. Uh, They will be going at it for their fall scrimmage, playing against one another and having a lot of fun, I bet. Uh, I think the dunk contest will also be, since that could not happen at tip-off at Tumors, will be uh, at the scrimmage. So check that out. Uh, Come on and support the Auburn volleyball team and support the Auburn basketball team. Hang out basically all evening long in the jungle. Probably the best place to be on a Friday night. So just check it out and have a great time with, uh, you know, I think Hillman will be there. Baymarks will be there. Everybody will be there. It'll be a great time. So check it out. Have some fun with the Auburn Tigers this weekend. And the party won't stop because at 6 p.m. on Saturday evening, the Tigers will be welcoming in the running Rebels of Ole Miss to Jern-Hare Stadium to uh, have an SEC West Top 20 matchup. So we encourage you all to dress warmly. It will be cold. Uh, and wear orange and be loud. And that's all we got to ask for of you uh, or the student section. Just do your job, you know, quiet on offense, loud on defense. That's as simple as that. And wear orange and stay and dress accordingly because it will be cold. And accordingly in orange specifically. Yes. Cannot emphasize this enough. After the Navy out was pathetic, wear orange. I And I, I'll be honest, I, I would like everybody to wear orange, but if, if it push comes to shove and it gets cold enough to where you have nothing that's bundled up that's orange, just come. And be loud. Also, that yes, that is fairly sufficient. Yeah. I, I can work with that. And if you need any information about what your responsibilities are or what you can do or what you would like to do uh, this weekend regarding Auburn Athletics as a student, you can always follow at AU Jungle on Instagram where we have all the resources you need as a student to figure out what you need to be doing on an athletics weekend as big as this one. And if you have any questions or you know suggestions about what the student sections could be doing better, AU Jungle is the place to go, or, you know, you can directly berate Jacob Hillman. I don't know. Whatever's more fun for you. 
I would recommend it. It's the latter for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're going to jump right back into uniform factor. I did not forget. We do have some two more uniforms to get yes. to. So we'll jump right back in to uniform factor. I'll hit plus on my slideshow and we'll head on over to the mountains of Utah to talk about the Brigham Young University's new and eh, different uniforms that they will be wearing against Vir- Virginia this upcoming weekend. Uh, they will be royal blue. Uh, which is an interesting change of pace. Uh, back, back where they wore, back when they won a national championship in the '80s, actually. So, well, these are actually to, to the 1966 BYU team, to be exact. Right, right. So this is back before everything got got color muted back in the '90s and turned down to navy. This is back when we still could have vibrant colors, and we are throwing it back to the royal blue era of BYU football, where they will be wearing royal blue shirts with white stripes on the shoulders, white numbers, and white accents white pants with blue stripes, and a blue helmet with a white logo, white stripe over the top, and get this, a chrome face mask. Yeah, these are just uh, chef's kiss. Great job, BYU. I mean, uh, they have a picture of, um, or they have two pictures of one of their players standing next to a encasing of one of those old uniforms that these really pay tribute to. Um, And they're very similar. The old BYU logo is going to be put on the chest at the collar, um, I think the most interesting thing with these as well is the fact that instead of just throwing on a plain old gray face mask like a lot of teams do with a throwback uniform, like you just mentioned, Jack, they use like that metallic chrome kind of gray, which is a more modern taste of the throwback. Um, but it is with that cool royal blue. They do a great job encompassing that white on the helmet with those simple stripes down the middle, um, the white pants with the blue stripes down the side. I mean, I really think they did a great job with these. They're simple. They pay great honor uh, to the 1966 team, uh, which was led by quarterback Virgil uh, Carter. Um, I really, really like these. And I, like I said, my favorite part is those face masks. Uh, for me, my favorite part is, Jack, you mentioned earlier uh, t- two important things here. One, I'm glad you mentioned the whole Navy muted thing that happened in the 90s. I hate that. Totally. Pitt going with just dark Navy and boring gold. Annoying. Anyway, on to BYU. Uh, you mentioned how these are kind of something they've done before, but the specific difference is the fact that the helmets are blue. I know it seems very familiar, but BYU has worn traditionally white helmets forever, essentially. Back to the 1960, even the 1980s, um, championship team had white helmets. So this is where the big difference comes with this color scheme. It's not just a color they won before, but the helmets are different. They've started introducing more blue uh, colored out helmets in recent years, specifically in the last two or three years. So that's where these really stand out. The chrome is awesome. I like the simplicity. And again, I think these are the color that, colors they should adopt full time. I, I, I get the navy as an alternate, but these royal blue colors are perfect. That's really all I have to say on that because they are very simple. But again, I really like the fact that they're going back to the blue helmet design because I looked up the 1980 team and or the national championship team and they did have white helmets in that case. And even in the picture that Bay you mentioned, they've got like all their old uniforms in like a glass case. You can see the white helmets that they started wearing later on. But at this in the 1966 team, they wore these blue helmets that mm-hmm. are uniquely that era. And the royal uniforms they've worn in the past, they've worn with blue pants and blue face masks. Yes, so this is a completely I, new look. A, a, a different, a different uh, change of pace for them. I really like them a lot. All right, and that is going to be what they are wearing against Virginia this upcoming weekend. I want to remind you that we are uh, providing visual aids. If you cannot see uh, anything uh, on 
the WEGL YouTube page. We are live streaming every day, but it's especially important today when we have a visual aspect. So WEGL 91.1 on YouTube if you want to check those out, or if you're driving around in your car and you can't check it out right now, you can always check it out later um, by going to the website. It's available on a video on demand on the YouTube page. Um, yeah, so we will jump right back in with our next and final thing on Uniform Factor today, which is a interesting matchup. I don't know if either of these uniforms are new per se, but it is just it is a uni watch. It is something to be looking forward to about this weekend in this Sunbelt matchup between Coastal Carolina and Troy. It was announced, uh, I think, via Twitter. I don't know if the uh, the it kind of the teams stumbled into the fact that they would be wearing a monochrome matchup just by interacting with each other on Twitter, and that is where Troy announced that they would be wearing all white for, I think, with these new Adidas kits, maybe the first time they've worn all white. I had a hard time finding in-game pictures of it, but they did release a very weird Halloween-themed hype video for them with this player in the cornfield and then stalking someone through their dreams, which I thought was a choice. So, Certainly a choice. based off of that description, it sounds like a mix between Children of the Corn and Freddy Krueger. It really was. So uh, go to the, go to the Troy Football Twitter if you'd like to watch that video for yourself. Um, and then Coastal Carolina, who is uh, a uh, making a lot of noise in the Sun Belt, they announced that they'd be wearing their all black uniforms. Now I really like the Coastal Carolina all black uniforms mainly because of the helmet. I tried to get a good picture of it here from the Cure Bowl last year where uh, the black Chanticleer logo looks really good under under the lights. So I'm really excited to see this Sunbelt matchup between Coastal Carolina in their all-black uniforms and Troy in their all-white uniforms. It's going to look good. Yeah, and y'all know I'm a big fan of teams that are just completely contrasted uh, in terms of color on the field, whether that's one team wearing all-white and one team wearing all-colors. Either way, um, I really like that kind of concept. And seeing these Coastal Carolina uniforms, especially – in this matchup is going to be really good. I think that they have some interesting colors to work with with an all-black uni and that green or that tealish kind of color. Um, but that Chanticleer does look quite good on that helmet, that all-black helmet with a black face mask. For some reason, when I look at these, I think of their baseball uniforms and back to the year when they won the national championship a few years ago. Um, but no complaints from me. I'm just really excited to see what the uniform matchup will look like in person. Yeah, I like both of them a lot. I'm, I'm catching a picture of Troy's all-white uniforms. I like it a lot, and I like Coastal Carolina's because, again, it doesn't – they're not just making up the fact that black is a color in their color skin. It's always been there. Yeah. They're not making it up like a certain team in Knoxville. No, they're not. They This is this is something that makes sense, and I think they're great. I like the uh, little teal shoulder pads and the teal numbers. Helmets are pretty great. Not my favorite of the Coastal Carolina jerseys. I really liked the teal um, helmets that they introduced, I think, two weeks ago or last year. Yeah. Those are really awesome as well. But, yeah, this is going to be uh, a fun matchup to watch anyway because I like both teams. Uh, specifically, I like watching Coastal Carolina's offense, but now the uniforms just adds to it. Yeah, and it'll be a great – I think this game might be on Friday night. Really? Uh, you know the, that would make sense. You know the, that, that, that's what the Sun Belt does. You know the Sun Belt and their scheduling. It's, it's very bad if that's what you're trying oh, to say. Oh, it's tonight. If you would like really, to watch, Thursday night. Yeah, so this is very nice. actionable if you have a short memory span or short attention span. If you would like to watch this matchup, you can check it out tonight, 6.30 p.m., as the Troy Trojans take on the now number 24 Coastal Carolina Chanticleers looking to avoid two straight losses. I know Troy gave them all they could handle last year in 
down in Troy in, in lower Alabama. So we'll see if the Trojans can bring it once again now that the game's in Myrtle Beach. And I will say shout-out to the Sun Belt picking up Southern Miss and Old Dominion. The conference grows. Yes. Soon-to-be SEC competitor. The uh, Conference USA uh, dwindles. Gets hung out to dry. Yes. Cheese in the wind, if you will. It's very unfortunate for them. (laughs) All right. We are going to head to a quick break. And when we come back, I think we'll be talking college football as we have not yet to preview the upcoming matchups, including, I think, three ranked-to-be-ranked matchups, Auburn being one of them, Michigan-Michigan State, and a whole lot more, including does Florida have a shot down in Jacksonville this weekend? All that and more coming up later on in the show. So don't go anywhere. College Football Talk on the other side of this break. You're listening to Compact Discourse on WETL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joining alongside Alex Houston on this Thursday morning, coming at you live from the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is uh, hopefully clearing up here in just a little bit. We may be dealing with the rain for just a little bit longer. Sunshine will be making an appearance later on today, though, so get excited to enjoy the nice fall weather as it may warm up just a little bit heading into the weekend. And speaking of the weekend, we are going to talk about some college football as uh, the top 25 will be in action once again. Beginning with, as we mentioned uh, before the break, Troy will be playing Coastal Carolina in Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina. It will be uh, the Coastal Carolina. It will be their chance for redemption after they dropped a game to App State on Thursday of last week. So avoid looking to avoid two straight conference losses, and that, that made them nearly tumble off the back of the pole And as they sit at number 24 currently. They are favored by 17 in this one, so it's Coastal's game to lose over under set at 50 uh, for this game in Conway, South Carolina tonight. I think they'll surpass that. Just because I don't think Troy has much of a defensive presence. And Coast Carolina isn't a revenge game. They're trying to... I don't think they have a hope of getting a New Year's Six game anymore. But they're trying to end the season on a good note. And a good note for a program like this is domination of they're, everybody down the street. They're trying to avoid the, the, the New Orleans Bowl. They're, Correct. They're trying to play after Christmas. They're trying not to end up in the MAPCO Las Vegas Bowl. Right. So that is what's going on in the Sun Belt tonight. Uh, all right, and we'll jump on over to Saturday when uh, let's see what's going down on Saturday. Number two, Cincinnati looking to keep their playoff. I mean, not hopes really. All they got to do is win, and they're in. Presumably, unless the uh, the committee pulls a sneaky well, on us. Well, the committee's done it before. They did it to TCU in 2014. So Cincinnati does have a bit more to play for. I think we talked about it last week, and I'll, I'll correct what I said previously. They do have to blow some teams out because the committee does what the committee wants to do, and the committee took TCU and dropped them four spots last time. So being in the American is arguably worse than being in the Big 12. So it may be a bit more complicated than win and they're in. 
But considering the teams in, around them that will probably all lose to somebody and another, I think it certainly could work. I don't know, though. It's just a very dicey situation. Cincinnati, the Bearcats, will travel down to Yulman Stadium to take on a hapless 1-6 and Tulane team. They are favored by four touchdowns in that one. So hopefully Desmond Ritter and the Cats can take care of business if they want to keep their shot at the big dance alive. All right, speaking of shots at the big dance, your big noon kickoff, college game day, every, all eyes will be on the Mitten State. What is, what is Michigan's name? The Spartans? Michigan State. Michigan. What's the state name of Michigan? It is what the Great Lake State or the Mitten State. There you go. I was. I don't know. I I I thought you just messed up saying Michigan and said Mitten. I was very confused. <laughs> uh, it's also the Wolverine State, but I feel like that's taking a stance on this game. So that I is. I won't say that. That is certainly taking a stance. Michigan versus Michigan State in East Lansing battle for the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Uh, maybe the most meaningful matchup between these two teams in the in this decade or this century. Even. I would say uh, what we have trouble with the snap is up there as well. Yes, that was a meaningful matchup, and hopefully we have uh, some more trouble with the snap because I don't know. I, I we need we need another joke for the college football world to latch onto. We do. The only joke right now is Big Noon kickoff ruining another amazing environment by putting a game at 11 a.m. Both of these teams are seven and zero and four and zero in conference. Um, Neither have a very impressive win, I would say. It's been the likes of Rutgers and Northwestern been their victims so yep. far. No wins against Iowa or Ohio State or Penn State yet. I think I'm right about that. You are. Um, so that is, we will see who's uh, who's who's real, who's who's a trick and who's a treat coming up this weekend at 11 a.m. when Michigan and Michigan State square off in East Lansing. And the reality is, you know, they haven't had impressive wins, but Harbaugh had a lot of very bad losses. So getting a win against anybody is good for him because of how many bad losses he had. And for Michigan State, Mel Tucker might use this as a launching pad to go to LSU. That's the running theory right now amongst Mm -hmm. a lot of people. So these games are important just to, you know, win who you – defeat who you should. You know, beat the teams that you should by a lot, and that's what these teams have done. Who are they saying could go to LSU? Mel Tucker, the coach of Michigan State. Oh, okay. He's like, this is in his second year. He's turned the program around significantly. Last year they were five and – they were not good last year. Yeah. Because Mark D'Antonio retired, pulled a very Jimbo Fisher. He's like, oh, my team is bad. Now feels like a good time to hang it up because I've had such a great career. It's like, really? Is that that why? Mm -hmm. Are you sure that's why? Because it doesn't seem like that. Interesting. Well, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I uh I like the Michigan State's good again. That they're they're I like I like when the Big Ten has some intrigue. Yeah, that is not just Ohio State stomping everybody. You mean? Also at noon, let's head over to Camp Randall and jump around as Iowa comes to town to take on the Badgers, who are two and two in the Big Ten. Iowa looking to try to climb their way back into New Year's Six Bowl after a devastating loss against Purdue a couple weeks ago. They're going to have to basically run the table in the Big Ten, and they still have a shot. If they win this game, they are still on track to win the West, so they could book their ticket to Indianapolis and maybe book a second ticket to Indianapolis if that if they win the Big Ten. Certainly. Um, it's going to be a very interesting run down the stretch for the Big Ten. A lot of teams still in contention and a lot of crazy games up ahead. The first part of the schedule was kind of a dud. Now, really change it up. I mean, if Iowa – I mean, this is a big if, but if Iowa – uh, comes out as Big Ten champions, you got to put them in the playoff, right? No. No? Terrible loss to Purdue. Terrible I mean, loss. that's one game. You're right. That is one game. But, look, okay, so 
it all depends on who wins, right? So assume Georgia wins out there and assume Cincinnati wins out. I put them above Iowa by a mile. Absolutely. Oklahoma wins out. I put them above Iowa. Okay. And then that leaves one spot for one loss Alabama. One, one loss Alabama. A one loss Oregon. Now, of course, this will include or I mean, Ohio. Iowa would have to beat Ohio State. I'm looking down their schedule. I'm pretty sure that they have them on their schedule, right? Isn't that correct? Oh, that could be an interesting development. And so they do not actually have Ohio State. So they would likely meet them in the in the championship game. Actually, yes. So. Assuming they beat them, you know, then if they if they beat Wisconsin, they basically, I mean, I don't see them losing another game. Yeah, I would agree. But I didn't see them losing to Purdue. Yeah, nobody did, and as bad as they did, especially because how bad Purdue lost last week to Wisconsin by seventeen points. I just think the Big Ten, the only option is a Michigan or an Ohio State, assuming Oregon loses. Because again, how do you put Oregon below Ohio State? They won. They played each other. That's not a matter of. Oh, man, Pac-12 champion, SEC champion, they never played. You've got them playing. In Columbus, no less. And Oregon won by two touchdowns. So, the playoff has a lot to figure out. But it was early, Alex. Recency bias. Recency bias is bad, just as bad as the playoff committee is. Hmm, they all worked for the big conferences. Could that be a coincidence for why they think Power 5 conferences are important? They'll tell you no. But I'll put on my tinfoil hat and say yes. Wisconsin is favored in this one by three and a half, so keep your eyes on Camp Randall at 11 if you can pull your eyes off the big noon kickoff. It's going right. to be a tough game for Iowa, but a tough game for Wisconsin because I can't imagine Camp Randall uh, crowd getting excited for an 11 a.m. kick for a bad Wisconsin team. Let's head on over to deep in the heart of Texas at McLean Stadium where the Longhorns will be traveling to take on conference po- foe Dave Aranda's Baylor Bears, who are a very surprising team and have a pretty good shot at winning the Big 12, if you ask me. Now that Oklahoma State lost, they're my new favorite to win the Big 12. Baylor's w- favored by three in this one. I would say they are my big favorite, except for the fact that they've struggled significantly um, in Big 12 championship games against Oklahoma in the past. They've got a lot of big wins here, but they also have a bad loss to Oklahoma State, which, could, which will affect, if Oklahoma State wins out, Baylor sh- would not get in, I don't believe. That's correct. Except then there's a dicey tiebreaker of because there are no divisions. Baylor would probably have to beat Oklahoma if they went out. I don't know. I know McLean Stadium is a tough environment for any team to play in, let alone a Texas team that is floundering right now. Flopping. Was Sarkeesian the right hire? Time will tell. No, he wasn't. And here's a classic ACC matchup. It will be the Hurricanes of Miami traveling all the way up to the frozen north of rainy 58 degrees. Pittsburgh, who, man, we're talking playoffs. Let's talk Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Panthers. They, no matter how great I I think they are, can't get in because they lost to Western Michigan this year, Mm. which is like 44-41 to to Western Michigan, a Western Michigan team that I don't believe is very good. I have to check now because I'm I'm actually very curious. Yeah, Pittsburgh 6-1, 3-0 in the ACC um, as (coughs) – Weak as the ACC is, they have a pretty clear shot to Charlotte and um, a New Year's Six Bowl if they win the ACC. Don't know if playoffs are in the cards. A lot of dominoes will have to fall, including, uh, I would say, teams like Oklahoma and Georgia having to tack on a loss to their resume for Pittsburgh to even get certainly mentioned in the conversation. But you can't overstate what Kenny Pickett has been doing so far this season. He has thrown for 2,200 yards and 23 tutties so far. So unbelievable performance by Kenny Pickett and the Panthers over at Pitt. Pickett for Heisman, and 
a possible ACC championship matchup between an undefeated Wake Forest and a one-loss Pittsburgh, I will be Bring there. it on. I, I will be tuning in no matter what is happening. I don't care if Auburn is playing Georgia and Atlanta. I will be tuning in to Pittsburgh against Wake Forest. That's right. what the people want. That concludes it for your 11 a.m. kickoff games. We will be right back after these messages to talk about the 1 p.m. game. There's plenty of great matchups coming up this Saturday, including Iowa State traveling up to Morgantown, Georgia, Florida, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Colorado, Oregon, and Wake Forest looking to continue their undefeated campaign against the Blue Devils of Duke. All of that and more. We're breaking it down right here on this Thursday edition of the Compact Discourse Show right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. We'll be back in about two minutes with some more of the show and your weather report. Keep it right here on the Big 91, Auburn's only student-run radio station since 1971. Coming at you live from the Harold Melton Student Center. Once again, we'll be back in two minutes. Keep that dial right here, 91.1 Compact Discourse. You may have hoodwinked everyone else in this backwater town, but you can't fool me. I listen to public radio. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside the wonderful Alex Houston, hanging out with me talking college football on this second hour of the show. If you missed it, we talked uniforms over the uh, middle part of the show, Uniform Factor, as always, on a Thursday. So check that one out if you haven't already. Check it out on YouTube if you want to see the uniforms we were talking about in real time in living color, but you can always just listen to the audio version and check out the pictures for yourself on your own time. Uh, that is just, you know, look look up the podcast. It's, it's as easy as that. However you get any podcast you listen to, you can find Compact Discourse the same way. Just look for that orange and blue CD logo. We've also talked about the upcoming exciting weekend of Auburn Athletics from the Auburn Volleyball match against LSU on Friday night, as well as the scrimmage coming on directly afterwards uh, on the 29th. And then there's door prizes there, so get there early if you would like to you know, throw your throw your name in the hat to win an air fryer or a TV or any of other goodies that uh, the volleyball has provided for you. Um, you can also get this. Uh, come to the scrimmage, orange versus blue men's basketball. I know President of the Jungle Jacob Hellman will be there facilitating, uh, getting ready for the Auburn basketball season, which starts in less than a month now. I think, man, it's got to be pretty soon. It's like November ninth, actually. Two weeks, less than two weeks. Yes, November 9th, I think, is their first game. I think it's like against McNeese State. I, I, I McNeese isn't a state, Alex. I know it's not, but it's the university, apparently. So, uh, all that and more. If you want to get information about that, go to AU Jungle on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, get all the information. Uh, that account is run jointly by Jacob Hillman and the rest of the Jungle staff, me included. So, uh, we're, we're, we're doing our best to help Auburn students stay informed about their responsibilities and as, how much fun they can have as an Auburn student in the loudest roar in the country. That is, of course, the Auburn jungle. All right, we'll jump right back into college football, but not after your Auburn weather update. It's 60 degrees and cloudy. We're still under a wind advisory here in Lee County. 33% chance of rain uh, through 10 a.m., but the sun is on its way as the storms continue to blow across Georgia. High of 71 today, low of 51, so a lovely autumn day here. Bundle up, bring a raincoat, because uh, we will have a 15% chance of rain throughout the day and into the night, but the sun will be making an appearance. It will be on and off showers, 
and a temperature of 68 degrees this afternoon, heading down to 53 degrees overnight. Sun's going to set at 5 to 6 tonight, winds 7 miles per hour, heading north, and uh, that's about all the relevant information you need. The moon is on its way out. We'll see the full moon again next month, and uh, that is going to do it for your uh, Auburn weather update. And with that, we will jump right back into college football. We talked about the games kicking off at 11 a.m. Central Time on the other side of the last break. So now we're going to jump right into what's coming up in the 1 p.m. slot, and that will be number 22, Iowa State, coming off a big win against Oklahoma State. They will be taking on West Virginia up in Morgantown, looking to uh, keep their big – I mean – Iowa State still kind of in the running for the Big 12 championship game. It is a long shot, but they only have one conference loss so far. Uh, if they lose today, if they lose on Saturday, that will not no longer be the case. So the Cyclones, a must-win game against the Nears of West Virginia. Definitely. And the Big 12 is going to be a crazy run down the stretch, especially with Oklahoma State's loss. What exactly happens at Bedlam? It's going to be fun to watch, especially with an Iowa State team that is trying to rebound from some very difficult losses to start the year. And... Now what Matt Campbell's been looking for. Same thing almost happened last year, and then they turned it around. We'll see if they can do it down the stretch this year. Clones are favored by seven in that one up in Milan Pusker Stadium, Morgantown, West Virginia. Check that one out on the Big 12 Network or ESPN+. Plus. All right, uh, at the expense of saving your ears, I will not sing the song, but the CBS Game of the Week is, surprisingly, the number one Georgia Bulldogs taking on the Florida Gators 4-3 and three, uh, in TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville, Florida, which I think is the, uh, was it, it, it's Teachers Intelligent, it's like an insurance company for teachers. TII. TIAA Bank Field. Bank. Not not a fun name anymore, as fun for Jacksonville as Everbank or any other name that that stadium has has, has gone under. Absolutely but not. It is, uh, it is, of course, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It is a tradition, and we are glad that it is back in full force, and we are always rooting for Florida in this one. So we hope that the Gators can get it done on Saturday. I will. All right, get this. I'm not rooting for the Gators. I must admit. Oh, my goodness. Really? I'm not. Every year say, that the Braves have made the World Series, Florida's beaten Georgia. Mm. So Well... Yeah. Two things. One, it's Teachers Insurance and Annuity Association of America. Riveting. America's also in all caps. I don't know why. <laughs> in both the official, like, on Google and also on the website. Secondly, I'm not rooting for uh, Florida in this case because my disdain for Dan Mullen overrules it in this case. Because CBS knows what the people want, and they want to see Dan Mullen get fired live on national television. So that's why. He's not getting fired if they lose this game. Well, okay. I mean, let me be clear. Losing, like, Auburn lost to Georgia? No, he's not going to get fired. Losing, like, Vanderbilt lost to Georgia, which may happen? Probably. Oh, come on. Well, I'm okay, maybe not after this game, but just going down the stretch, let's see the rest of their schedule. They're probably going to end up being 7-5, and five, which they should not be. No, they should not be. They should have beaten LSU. They should have beaten LSU significantly. Honestly, they should have beaten Kentucky. Not that like Kentucky's not a good team, but they had a lot of opportunities in that game they just didn't capitalize on. But that's that's Dan Mullen for you. Third and five against Alabama. Quarterback power with Dak Prescott every single time. It didn't work then. It still doesn't work now. But anyway, I don't know. I think maybe maybe that's just – maybe I'm being a little bitter. 
Emory but, Jones is your uh, your leading rusher for Florida. He has 500 yards rushing on the year. But is he the starting quarterback? Nobody knows. We shall see. Uh, Georgia favored by two touchdowns, and this one over-under set at 51. Place your bets if you are going to be watching the world's largest outdoor cocktail party on CBS, your 2.30 kickoff game, Central Time here in uh, the Central Time Zone. All right, moving right along to another game on a network. That is your 2.30 ABC game. Big 12 clash between the Texas Tech Red Raiders and the number four in the country, Oklahoma Sooners. They are 5-0 and in the Big 12, 8-0 overall. This one's in Norman, and Oklahoma's favored by 20. Oklahoma should be favored by 40 because Texas Tech just fired their coach after going 5-3. and three. So yeah, Texas yeah. Tech and really struggled against a K-State team. They did. So, yeah, ABC might have picked a stinker there. I think they did, but I think looking at the overall schedule, <clears throat> schedule, there's not much. I think they honestly should have picked Wake Forest. I know Oklahoma draws more, but I think Wake Forest is going to continue to draw more as season goes on. Good call. All right, another game on a network. You can watch uh, Colorado, the Buffs, traveling up to Outson Stadium to take on the Ducks of Oregon. Normally, this wouldn't be talk- worth talking about, but Oregon has been literally taken to the top rope by every single Pac-12 opponent they played, including Fresno State, who's not even in the Pac-12. So <laughs> you never know with this Oregon team. They look, they show flashes of greatness. They blow out Ohio State, and then they, uh, you know, win a one-score game against a one and six Cal Exactly. Team, so. the, o- the only time we do know what's going to happen is when an Oregon team or any team for that matter plays Arizona because Kevin Sumlin does not know how to win. All he does is know how to lose. But mm-hmm. that game, the only actually, that's the only more than one touchdown win over or one possession win they've had this season other than an FCS team. Wow. Everything else has been close. So hanging on by a thread is Oregon to uh, their number seven ranking in the country. They are favored by 24 in this one. We'll see if they can take care of business against the Buffs at 2.30 p.m. Central Time, which would be uh, 12.30 p.m. Uh, local time on the Fox Network. So this is the big noon kickoff, West Coast edition. They should be fine. Colorado has gotten whacked by every team they've played this year except for North Colorado, Arizona, and A&M. They lost to Minnesota 30 to nothing, Arizona State 35-13, to and a horrible USC team 37-14. to Yikes. And 26-3 Cal. They are not good. Sad times in Boulder. It is indeed. 3 p.m. You can watch the Blue Devils of Duke, who are winless in conference, take on the Demon Deeks of Wake Forest. This one's at Truist Field in Winston-Salem. Wake Forest, the absolute inverse of that. They're 7-0 and undefeated in conference play. Uh, Wake Forest favored by 17, as they should be, uh, looking to continue and improve to 8-0 for the first time in a while for the Demon Deacons. Maybe ever? I think this this is the first this is the highest ranked they've ever been. The last time they were undefeated, I think, was in early 1912. I'm not sure on that. You'd have to del- or, but it was definitely in the early 1900s. This game, huge game for Wake. Got to get build some momentum as you're going to be traveling to uh, Chapel Hill to take on a North Carolina team that is all over the place next week. Got to get some momentum. And again, Wake Forest has not scored below 35 this season. They will be scoring over 40 against Duke. Oh my goodness. Uh... Looking at Wake Forest football history. Yeah, Wake Forest did go undefeated in 1888. They went uh, 1-0. Wow. So Good for them. Good for them. The, the Brian Harson season. <laughs> Certainly. That, that, I guess that must be where the mentality was invented. All right. We will jump right into your night games, and we'll continue this on the other side of the break. But we will 
get you talking about number 10, Ole Miss, coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium to take on the Auburn Tigers. Uh, both of them have one conference loss. Ole Miss's was to Alabama. Auburn's was to Georgia. So both of them have a loss to a top 10 SEC opponent. Um, Auburn favored in this one, believe it or not. Um, I think because of the home field advantage, and the be. fact that it's a night game, and the fact that they uh, look so good against Arkansas. They uh, did. They a team did. that Ole Miss struggled with. True, and that and that game, of course, was at home for Ole Miss. So how how would they have fa- uh, fared in Fayetteville? Nobody really knows. Man, yeah, there's so many moving parts in this matchup, considering how explosive the Ole Miss offense is and how inconsistent the Auburn defense is. Uh, has been this season, so I mean, you really don't know with this one. Absolutely, we don't know which Auburn team's going to show up. We don't know which Ole Miss team's going to show up. And you know, is it going to be the Ole Miss that you know could have beaten Alabama had they been a little smarter, or is it going to be the Ole Miss team that you know struggled with a terrible Tennessee team? Exactly, a lot of very good questions, and it, it's going to be a very interesting matchup between these two teams. All right, if you have something you want to say about Ole Miss and Auburn, which I know you do, you can uh, call in at 334-844-9345, or you can tweet at us at CDiscAU. We'd love to hear from you. What you think is going to happen on Saturday night when the Eagle flies in Jordan-Harris Stadium and the Tigers look to take down the running rebels of Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Keep the golf balls at home, but uh, bring the mustard bottles out to Jordan-Harris Stadium, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll talk about this matchup and more on the other side of a break. We're talking night games, including Kentucky Mississippi State, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and SMU Houston. All that and more is coming up, including that big matchup in the shoe in Columbus. Keep it right here on WGL 91.1 for college football talk on Compact Discourse. I want that log crawling arachnid prosecuted. I want him strung up by his web. I want Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for joining us today. we got plenty to talk about still on the show. But if you missed anything that we've talked about here on the show this week, including we talked with Sonic Nation, who is Auburn's ensemble commercial music band, uh, that was a fun conversation we had yesterday. We've also talked a lot about Halloween, as it is a scary Halloween edition of Compact Discourse all week this week. So we talked about, you know, The Haunted Mansion, The Phantom of the Megaplex, some of our favorite scary movies with Alex and with Grayson and Chris Tobias on Tuesday. We talked about all things Halloween on Tuesday. So plenty of great episodes. If you haven't had your Compact Discourse fix just quite yet, you can listen to all of our old episodes wherever you get your podcasts, and they've all been a lot of fun. So check them out if you haven't already. And uh, we'll just jump right back into things so we have time to talk about it all. Uh, Ole Miss and Auburn will be coming on this Saturday at 6 p.m. That is your first night game on the docket. Uh, welcoming in Daniel Locke, surprise guest to the show today. Thank you for joining us, Daniel. Always a pleasure. And uh, we got the uh, Eagles Nest coming on later today. Is that correct? We do. It's going to be a good show today. We're going to talk some NHL, some UFC, obviously college football, NFL, maybe a little NBA, MLB. We're talking about it all. All right. If it's got a ball or a glove... Daniel's talking about it this or afternoon. A fist. Or yeah, yep. Yeah. Ding ding. All right. Next, uh, you have any uh, any thoughts? Any thoughts? I, I said 
what I said, my, my take on this Ole Miss and Auburn game is that we don't know which team is going to show up for both parties involved. Uh, we've seen great Ole Miss. We've seen terrible Ole Miss. We've seen great Auburn. We've seen terrible Auburn. So <laughs> who shows up and what, who, who gets favored in these matchups? Well, I'm looking at it right now, and to my surprise, Auburn's actually the favorite, which I didn't think I'd see that. And I don't know. I think Auburn gets it done. I really do. I think Auburn has the means to get it done, being at home, being a strong run team and everything like that, and almost having a bad defense. I think picking between these two defenses, Auburn gets the difference-making plays on defense that Ole Miss just can't get. Not to mention, I think, Ole Miss's offensive line has not been very good, and that's something that Auburn's defensive line needs is a struggling offensive line to face up against. It happened with Arkansas in pass protection. Now it could happen against Ole Miss. I think being at home could be the difference maker. It's got to be a raucous environment, but it'll certainly be an interesting game to watch between two very high-powered offenses against not-so-very-good defenses. I think the biggest – I mean, a lot of people will point to as the receiving core as the biggest improvement of this Auburn team across the season – but and I think that's an easy pick, but I think an underrated pick for biggest improvement so far has been the quarterback contain. And it, back in the beginning of the season, they were getting very little pressure, and when they did get pressure and chased a uh, quarterback out of the pocket, they were unable to run him down. I think that that has changed tremendously. We saw that with K.J. Jefferson in Arkansas getting constantly hounded and bullied by this defense, and I expect Matt Corral to get the same treatment, uh, less mobile quarterback in Matt Corral coming up this weekend. Absolutely, and I will say one thing. You mentioned improvements on the defense, just wholesale uh, run-stopping. They were gashed by Georgia State. And a even better running de- running offense in Arkansas, not not the same story. So a lot of improvements on the defensive side of the ball could be the difference this Saturday. All right, we got Kentucky and Mississippi State, another SEC matchup. This one's in Davis-Wade. Kentucky only favored by one and a half, uh, number 12 Kentucky with just one SEC loss so far on the season. That was to Georgia a few weeks ago. Uh, Kentucky looking to keep their bid alive uh, for a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, exactly. I don't believe Kentucky has any ambitions for an SEC championship at this point. You need Georgia to lose twice. Georgia won't lose at all. So with that in mind, this is a big chance to build the program that Mark Stoops is trying to build year in and year out. He's been trying to show that they've made progress. And this is another season where down the stretch, they've got a very – Relatively easy schedule. I don't see many. Diff- I don't see any difficult matchups other than maybe the road game against Louisville because Louisville's been all over the place. But win out these five games, go to eleven one, and potentially head to a New Year's Six. That's a difference maker for a program that Mark Stoops has been building for ten years now. Looking at the Big Twelve, Boone Pickens Stadium in Stillwater, Oklahoma State, coming off that loss to Iowa State, which I think everybody saw coming last week. <laughs> They will be having a rebound game against the Jayhawks of Kansas. Everybody's, you know, get right game as the Jayhawks come to town. And the Cowboys are favored by 30 and a half. And this one, uh, as the Jayhawks are still winless in conference play. They, they should destroy them. It's all, all eyes look towards Bedlam at home and Boone Pickens Stadium. That's the game that could decide this season for Oklahoma State. If they can win out these games against West Virginia, TCU, and a bad Texas Tech team, then you've got a chance to catapult yourself back into the Big 12 championship game and back into the playoff conversation. You know, anyone who listens to the Eagles' nest knows how much I love Spencer Sanders. I think he shows up and gets it done. Moving, keeping it in the, uh, not in the Big 12. Oh, is, is it the Big 12 technically now? Uh, where it, SMU, it will be. SMU is traveling down to TDECU Stadium in 
big H-Town as the Houston Cougars will welcome in the running, what's it, no, what do I call them? Mustangs. The Stangs. Stangs, The, the yes. Pony Express of Southern Methodist University, a Dallas versus Houston matchup here. Uh, both of these teams undefeated in conference play. Someone's going to get handed a loss for the first time this season. Houston's 6-1 and one on the year. Number 19, SMU, 7-0. and oh. The line is a push on this one, so place your bets over under at 62 and a half. Cincinnati fans should keep their eyes on this game. An undefeated SMU is good for Cincinnati. So they need Cincinnati to win this game down the stretch. Tanner Mordecai, SMU's quarterback, thrown for 30 tutties on the year so far. Heisman candidate? We he could he, yes. he could catapult himself into the conversation depending on what happens in Cincinnati. That game will be huge, and that's where game day should be. Love to see a, a Pitt SMU bowl game. Absolutely. That'll be awesome. All right, 6.30 p.m., ABC. You know Kirk Herbstreet's ready for this one. It is a big mashup in the shoe, all scarlet for the Ohio State Buckeyes as they welcome in the Penn State Nittany Lions into Ohio Stadium, uh, but they are favored by 20 points. Yikes. Uh, it's yeah. going to be, yeah. Go ahead, I, Daniel. Bloodbath. I was really, really looking forward to this game, but last Saturday when I was heading over to Atlanta, I was watching it on my phone because, you know, I kind of have a soft spot for Penn State now because of how good we were treated up there. And I was just watching. I was like, man, I really hope they don't blow this matchup against Ohio State next week. But I think that's the main problem is last week they were looking ahead. I think that I think that the spread might be a little high, but I, I really hope that Penn State can make it a game at least. I think it's going to be complete slaughter. At Happy Valley, I'd give Penn State some chance to keep it close, but I believe James Franklin is checked out, and I believe Ohio State is on a mission to decimate the rest of the Big Ten and push their way back into the playoff after people assumed they were knocked out when Oregon took that win. I think James Franklin is heading down to Baton Rouge soon or heading somewhere else, but he's done with Happy Valley. I think Penn State's only chance in this one is if Ohio State looks ahead to their matchups against Sparty and the Wolverines in order to punch their ticket to Indianapolis. Absolutely. There's and one I, thing you have to – I'm sorry, Alex. No, go ahead. There's one thing you have to remember with Penn State. Number five is always open. Good call. That's a good point. We'll see if Ohio State can cover him up. 6.30 p.m. on ABC. All right, another network game. Uh, your Both of your Notre Dame Fighting Irish will be taking on the reeling Tar Heels of North Carolina and Sam Howell. Uh, Irish are favored by four in this one, uh, number 11, Notre Dame, in Indiana. So a buddy of mine from Charlotte is coming down this weekend for the Auburn game. He's a big Heels fan, but we debated on going to South Bend this weekend instead. I think we made the right choice getting that we get a ranked matchup here in Auburn. But at Notre Dame Stadium at night, I think Notre Dame gets it done. I think Notre Dame has to get it done. They've got to stay on track to, you know, keep the momentum on this season because it's been kind of a back and forth. Close games to Toledo, you know, getting a big win last weekend. The passing offense is not where it needs to be, but it's doing just enough. Win this game and get to 7-1 on the season and have a relatively easy uh, set of games down the stretch, including Navy, Virginia, Georgia Tech, and a difficult one at Stanford. But this is – Definitely going to be a big game for them because the Tar Heels have been all over the place as well. And we'll keep it in the ACC as Virginia will travel out to Provo, Utah to take on BYU in those royal blue uniforms we talked about earlier in the show. This one kicks off at 9.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2. BYU is favored by 2.5 in this one against a 6-2 Virginia team. BYU struggled some this season, but they're in Provo. They're at Rice-Eccles Stadium. They got the new uniforms. I think they get it done against Virginia. Virginia is a good football team, but... 
Some early losses on this or at the beginning of the season indicate to me they're not that good. And despite their six and two record, I do not think they have what it takes to beat BYU. So I haven't really kept up with Virginia much this year. Do y'all think that this six and two record makes them look better than they are? Yes. They lost they lost by twenty to North Carolina to start the season and lost by twenty to Wake Forest. They've beaten Miami by two, Louisville by one, and Georgia Tech by eight. I think anyone's record in the ACC makes you makes you look better than you are. True. Absolutely. I, I really think and again, they're not a bad team, and it's a lot better than Virginia's been in the past. Uh, their head coach, whose name I cannot remember, I think it's Bronco Mendenhall, is building a great thing there. But great program there. But they're not they're not as good as their record indicates, in my opinion. All right, last game of the night. It's going to be 9:30 p.m. kickoff. Some almost packed 12 over dark. It's Mountain West after dark on CBS Sports Network as Fresno State, a very good Mountain West team who played Oregon very close, will be traveling to. The uh, what you may know as the StubHub Center. That's that uh, that year that uh, the San Di- that the Chargers were hung out to dry by San Diego. They will be playing San Diego State, seven and zero, three and zero in the Mountain West Conference, looking to remain undefeated. Number twenty one in the country. It's San Diego State. This one should be an upset watch for the Aztecs. It absolutely will be. But I think San Diego State gets it done. They've got bigger aspirations this year than a. Game against Fresno State. Fresno State might be the best team they played this season, but I think they get it done. I think that San Diego State gets it done. Um, also, I love the StubHub Center. I got to go there in 2017. It was kind of nice, actually. Very cool. So that is what is coming up on your college football Saturday. We do want to remind you that Auburn is playing Ole Miss on Saturday evening. We need you as a student, if you have a ticket to the game, show up to the game, be loud, be, dress warm, and wear orange. If you do those four things, I think Auburn has a pretty good shot of coming away with a victory. So do your part and have some fun on Saturday. Get ready get ready in the Halloween spirit as uh, we look to <laughs> scare off Ole Miss and the running rebels of uh, Ole Miss so, uh, and Lane Kiffin. So Get ready for that. Go to aujungle.com if you want information about the volleyball game tomorrow night as well as the basketball scrimmage afterwards and the entire weekend of Auburn Athletics festivities. And with that, that will do it for Compact Discourse today. Thank you so much for listening to this exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1, however you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna from wegelfm.com or by listening to our podcast. We would like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as a podcast wherever podcasts are heard. So just search for Compact Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDiscAU for links to that podcast and updates. You can also tweet at us to get your opinion on the show and join the conversation. We are, of course, Auburn's only student-run morning show. You might want to go ahead and follow WEGL on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU. That's WEGL underscore AU on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. we got a really hardworking marketing team working super hard to give you great content. And with that, for Jack Hart, Daniel Locke, Alex Houston, Davis Carroll, Grayson Moyer, Chris Tobias, the members of Sonic Nation, and everyone else we had on the show this week, <coughs> we wish you a great weekend. Have a happy Halloween. Go cheer on Auburn versus Ole Miss this weekend in Jordan-Hare Stadium. We will talk to you on Monday at 8 a.m. to talk about Auburn's big win against Ole Miss uh, for the Monday episode of Compact Discourse, 8 a.m. sharp. This is Jack Hart signing off. And as always, War Eagle, go 1-0. Have a great weekend. War Eagle and happy Halloween.
and a ghost will follow you home. <laughs>